The media admit that the new normal is here to stay and kids are getting PTSD, and they laugh about it. But that's not in the headlines. Uh, GVSU administrator estimates the number of GVSU students hospitalized, and the number is astonishing. A lady that fled communism is finally allowed to reopen after being forced to close over a virus she isn't scared of. And schools across the states are mandating masks again against the wishes of the parents. The COVID slog continues as we get protected right into the gulag where you will be put in solitary confinement and finally, you'll finally have total protection from the Chinese virus. We have legislation going through to stop all this nonsense though, so hopefully that comes through before the gulag. I'm Anand Don, and this is the Homes Politicast. Just wanted to make sure I was coming through. So, uh, yes, I'm live. Uh, so graciously gives us this gold in their, uh, what do you call it, their podcasts that you wouldn't get from their reporting. So I was just listening to this, you know, high school football being back is not something that I'm particularly interested in, excuse me while I take a drink of my coffee, but I was listening because obviously even high school football is just surrounded by COVID. Um, So of course they talk about it. They talk about the effect of, you know, the last year on um, especially students. Um, And so they're, they're on this they're talking on this podcast, right? And one of the guys is laughing as he's saying that a student reacted as if he had pulled a pistol on him when he went to shake his hand. Now, in a, in a sane world, when a person sticks out their hand to shake it, most people don't react as though you're pulling a pistol on them. They might in you know, perhaps Afghanistan, where the Taliban is in control and you never know what somebody's going to do because there's no law and order. In a country like ours, you know, I've never reacted that way. I don't think I've ever seen any, but extremely young children will act that way. Very, very immature children, two, three maybe up till four. Once they usually start getting around five, um, they're, you know, they, they know to shake hands with the person if they're introduced. And, you know, the parents are teaching them how to, you know, interact with strangers. And now this guy is talking about how he, you know what, let's just listen to him say it. Let's uh, let's hear from this guy. Our hubs midsummer this year, our, our news hubs around the state, and I managed to get into a couple of them and saw some employees that I hadn't seen in a very long time, over a year. And this was before Delta was was really flaring up again in Michigan. So I got a few hugs, I got a few handshakes, and one person I reached my hand out, and it was like I pulled a gun on him. You know, they, they flinched. <laughs> so it's gonna be a while before I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny that the kid flinched like you pulled a gun on him when you went to shake sand. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, uh, so, 
yeah, that's that was uh, weird. Um, just listening through that, I'm like, huh, that's the reaction we get when children are scared to shake hands. Okay, uh, peculiar. And then they go through. They talk about a lot of stuff in this. They talk about uh, how this is the new normal that we're just gonna get used to. You know, shutting down every couple months and having masks, and we're not gonna be. You know, we're we're gonna have to social distance, uh, but only when the the overlords tell us to. You know, sometimes we can shake hands, sometimes we can't. Uh, yeah, and and we're just we're just gonna hope that you know more children don't end up like this poor child that was so um, was so scared by just a handshake. It is an interesting world we're living in. So, yeah, I, again, I wouldn't recommend listening to MLive, but I do because I don't have a reporting team yet, so um, maybe maybe someday. I'll, uh, well, I'll, I'll not be laughing at children when they're, you know, traumatized, but, um, yeah, more news stuff. So, this is good news. Good news out of Holland. Uh, we talked about Marlena quite a few times um, I went no I didn't I didn't go to any of hers but I did drive past her place when I was picking up my new car um, that's a nice little shop and uh, yeah she's finally back in business so I don't know if she just got out of jail let's you know what let's find out here because uh, I just saw it and I didn't actually read through it first so we're gonna be going through this one together a raw run for both of us all right a michigan restaurant owner flouted covid 19 restrictions and spent four nights in jail in march said she plans to reopen in a few weeks the food license yanked from marlena's bistro and pizzeria in holland has been restored marlena pavlos hackney said i'm grateful but my fight isn't finished yet pavlos hackney said referring to an appeal of earlier court decision that landed her behind bars Pavlos Hackney became the face of defiance over enforcement of virus-related restrictions. She continued to welcome indoor diners despite state and local orders and ignored other rules aimed at controlling the spread of COVID-19. Well, yes, most of us did because controlling the spread of COVID-19 is a fool's errand. It's something that you can't, can't do. It's not doable, as all of the mandates have shown us. Every time we have a mandate, it just keeps spreading. So, I, I applauded Marlena for her courage a few months ago as she was going through all this, being picked up by a state police officer on her way into work, spending four nights in jail. Um, and, and she fled from uh, Poland. I want to say Poland, um, which is... You know, Russia controlled. Um, she knows what oppression looks like. And she is sitting in front of the judge, having this judge railing her. I watched I watched the video. This judge was just reaming her. Did not care about this woman at all as a person. In fact, she, tr she treated somebody that was simply keeping her business open as though she were... A, a mass murderer she 
was asking her, like, she asked her a direct question. She asked, where is your attorney? And she started to answer, and she says, she, like, interrupts her. She keeps on interrupting her. I don't want to hear another word until I hear where your attorney is. It was just, it was rude of the judge. Um, extremely rude. But also kind of telling it's, I mean, it is what everybody that goes against the established order with coronavirus experiences. If you say, um, you know, if you say that maybe masks aren't stopping the spread as we're looking around and, you know, everybody's in a mask, but COVID is still spreading. If you say, hey, I, I see everybody in masks and uh, I see COVID still spreading. Uh, maybe this isn't, you know, the, the method or the route we should go. You are demonized, um, especially on social media, um, college campus. Like, it's 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 getting pretty intense. So, um, I applauded Marlena for standing up. Uh, we continue. Co or customers filled tables and held rallies outside the restaurant to support her. Republican Senator Tom Barrett called Pavlos Hackney Michigan's first political prisoner of the pandemic. That's that's true. Um, Ingham County Judge Rosemary Aquila Aquilina, who put Pablos Hackney in jail, said she had put the community at risk. Um, yeah, and again, the, the judge doesn't have to prove it. The judge doesn't have to show who was put at risk. Um, it's, it's just, you know... There's COVID, it's the COVID age, the era of COVID, and we must bow to the CDC when they say that we can't operate our business. Um, and that's that's the justification that we get. So, but I, I applaud Marlena for fighting with every legal um, power she has. Um, because the, the, I mean, the thing for Americans to do is just to ignore the rage. Like, we can't really... I mean, we, we could pick up guns and fight, but we're not going to. That's that's just not going to be an option for this kind of tyranny. Um, it's subtle enough that, you know, we just need to ignore the people that are screaming. And that's what Marlena did. She paid for it, um, but she's going to continue this fight, as, as the article said. It is not over. So, and we move on from Marlena to another... Uh, I didn't really plan this out super well. I just kind of got what I wanted to to talk about. So, yeah, I guess we're going to go with this this guy. I don't know who this is. Oscar de la Hoya. Well, I got to get something out of my pocket. I'm sitting on it. It's making my butt go numb. Oscar de la Hoya. Hospitalized after contracting coronavirus. So, I read it. Um, just briefly, uh, I, I still don't know who this is. Oh, I think he's a comedian. All right. So let's, let's read. It tells us pretty quickly. Oscar De La Hoya announced Friday he contracted coronavirus and was in the hospital receiving treatment and that he had to pull out of his upcoming fight against Vic Vitor Belfort. Oh, he, okay, yeah, so he's a fighter. Uh, I think MMA or something like that. De La Hoya, 48, posted a video of himself on Twitter in a hospital bed 
He said he had contracted the illness despite despite being fully vaccinated. Oh my gosh. Wanted you to hear directly from me that despite being fully vaccinated, I've contracted COVID and I'm not going to be able to fight next weekend. Preparing for this comeback has been everything to me over the last months. And I want to thank everyone for their tremendous support, he tweeted. I am currently in the hospital getting treatment and I'm confident I will be back in the ring before the year is up. God bless everyone and stay safe. So, um, relatively young man, a uh, little bit younger than, you know, 50. He's under, he's underneath the, the bar where, you know, this is probably going to kill him. But, uh, just another, another example, you know, uh, people get the vaccine, they still get the virus. You know, we looked at the, uh, the CDC's, um, study of, what was it? Washtenaw County? No, not Washtenaw County. That's, that was a different, totally different. Oh, I'm looking at Washtenaw. That's why, uh, it was, uh, Barnstable, Barnstable County, Massachusetts. And, uh, 73% of the people there, um, were fully vaccinated uh, no, 73% of those that came down with COVID were fully vaccinated and were showing symptoms. So I'm not making any inferences out of this. I'm just saying the evidence is piling up um, more as more and more people are coming out and saying, yeah, I got the uh, I got the vaccine and uh, I'm still getting the virus. So it's not I mean, I'd say it's looking more like it's a seasonal flu shot. Um, especially, you know, with, with headlines like immunity wanes, um, Um, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go on a, on a hunt for, for headlines right now, but, um, there, there have been plenty that I've been posting to Twitter to, oh, that's, that's where I can go. Duh. We got all my stuff on, on Twitter. Uh, that, and that is the best place to follow, you know, what I'm doing. Um, because I, I post a lot of stuff on there. Um, Speaking of, well, I guess this is actually the opposite of uh, what we were just talking about. So, yeah, yeah, because I should stop there. If I make any any inferences, I'm going to be thrown off. At least YouTube, uh, it'll probably stay up on Rumble. But so another guy fully vaccinated, getting the virus. That's fun. Um. Oh, we got another follow. Thank you, Soap Made from Juice. Nice. Nice name. Uh, thank you for following. Oh, I'm doing the show. I probably shouldn't just uh, stop and discuss things with people. So, we continue. Um, as as more and more people that are getting the, getting the shot, they are still getting the virus. They're still suffering severe symptoms, still ending up hospitalized. Uh, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying some of them. Um, you know what, actually, no, I wanted to go to the opposite of that story. So back up, back up. Don't look at that headline. 
you know, wait, wait for me to show you that headline. Where was the opposite story? Oh yeah, opposite story. So people are uh, getting the the um, vaccine. They're still getting the virus. Uh, still ending up in the hospital now. Uh, this Grand Valley State University. I've been covering a lot of what's going on there because, well, I'm a student there, and uh, so I kind of know you know what's going on. And uh, I received a a communication from uh, Dr. Ed Abufadel, um, who out of so I I asked him directly. I was like, so how many students have died? And how many students have ended up hospitalized? And he sent me this. Uh, for for those that that are listening on Spotify, it says uh, there was one student who died, and President Mantella sent out a note last May about that student. I remember that coming out. Um, that was that was May of 2020. And uh, he says I am not aware of any other deaths. So one death. He says, we do not track hospitalizations formally. That's interesting because the hospital or the, the university keeps on telling us that uh, the, the COVID, the long COVID symptoms are very dangerous for you. And uh, so you still need to get vaccine. Um, so it's, it's interesting that they're not tracking how many people from our community are actually coming, you know, down with severe symptoms. Uh, so, Dr. Ed Abufidel, I mean, if you're, if you're watching, you can already see. Uh, he says, I know that there were at least a half dozen in the past year. Wow, that was as much as he could tell me. Uh, and I'm sure he's trying to stretch for the highest number. Because he doesn't want to say, you know, there's none. Obviously, there's got to have been some. But um, without tracking them. You know, the, the most he could tell me was six. That is actually astonishing. I thought there would be more than just six. Um, that he, I mean, at least that the university was aware of, even without, you know, actually formally tracking it, I thought there would be more than six. So this is actually, this is really good news. Um, if anybody from the college cared to share it, uh, which I do, so I am actually... I, that's in my article for the Lanthorn. Um, so that will be, you know, definitely be a part of that. Um, yes. So good news from Grand Valley's campus. Uh, very few students are actually um, affected by this virus um, in, a, in a severely negative way. Awesome news. Love it. I'm not doing very well at uh, bearing these stories out, so it might be a little short because I've still got to be careful with what I say. I've got to try and be as respectful as I can to our leaders. And um, yeah, that doctor isn't, I don't, I don't know if she's part of our leader. She just kind of got thrown on the virus action team. So <laughs> it's, it's hard parsing out who actually is an authority over you and who is not when there's just authority structures kind of thrown together. So, all right. So I don't know if this is good news or bad news. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see in the coming months, but, uh, 
Grand Haven Area Public Schools board president steps down. Others feel vitriol at recent meetings. So you can see this is the Grand Haven, uh, what is this? Oh, it looks like a classroom at Grand Haven High School. Um, more than 100 people attended the Grand Haven Area Public Schools Board of Education Board of Education meeting at right, White Pines. Okay, so that's right down there on Lakeshore Drive. Um, so, school board meetings typically are a place where polite arguments and differing opinions are welcomed. But in Ottawa County and across the state, animosity has been swelling in recent meetings, leaving school board members wondering if it's all worthwhile. Actually, I think this is actually from, yeah, this is actually from the Grand Haven Tribune by Matthew Eller. Yeah. I'm going to, give me a second. I'm going to look him up and see if I can follow him. Um, because I like following people in Michigan, whether I agree or disagree with them. Um, they sometimes have good things. And usually writers are on Twitter. Oh, wow. I don't think he is. Matthew Eller, sports. Oh, sports news reporter, Grand Haven Tribune. Okay, cool. Following him now. All right, so from the Tribune. Uh, so leaving school board meetings wondering if it's all worthwhile. That hit home locally Friday as Grand Haven School Board President John Semion wanted to be careful with that. It looks like something else. Samion announced his resignation, ending a two-decade-long stretch on the board. He said the resignation is due to the escalating concerns of his physical, emotional, and mental health. My health has been in a steady decline for over a year now, and my doctor says I need to do something about it before it's too late. Samion said Friday, I have put my heart and soul into trying to become the best board member I can, over the past 22 years. Sometimes that isn't enough. Well, well, my friend, you're right. Sometimes that isn't enough. Uh, sometimes listening to, oh goodness, Susan Demas is on Twitter again. Uh, we're we're going to talk about her in a second, um, if I have time. So, Yeah, yeah, I would agree that putting your heart and soul into trying to become the best board member you can be isn't isn't quite enough. You need to be competent too. You need to do things that are good for the people that you are um, that you are kind of organizing the school for. Like this school, right? It in theory, this school is for the people. This school is for the the people of your community, Grand Haven, specifically in this case, but any community. It is a place for them to send their children to learn. Their taxes, their money, the money that those parents make is being taken from them, um, Mr. Semyon. It's being taken from them by the government. And then it is being allocated into this school, right? So your job is to provide the best school you can for your people. Now, I know the government, the money is funded through the federal government, and that's something that is a problem um, and may make you uh, um, a little uncomfortable when the people want to go against what the federal government's saying. But, I mean, 
that it seems to me that a school board member should care about the students and the teacher or and the parents more than they care about what the federal government is saying needs to be done. He says, for the most part, my time on the Grand Haven Area Public School Board of Education has been enjoyable. He continued, I can't say that anymore. Samuel's resignation was effective Thursday morning. School board members are largely unpaid volunteers, traditionally former educators and parents who step forward to shape the school policy. Choose a superintendent and review the budget, but with, uh, yeah, choose a superintendent and review the budget. But with recent meetings devolving into shouting contests between deeply political constituencies over COVID-19 vaccine and masks in schools, school board members are in a heap of apprehension. It's a no-win situation for board members, no matter how they vote, Samion said. Many board members across the county are resigning out of fear of threats, harassment, the fact that they aren't being paid for how they're treated, and because politics are being put ahead of the children. Um, so... I have concluded that this is a good thing that this school board member is leaving. Um, and maybe that others may want to think about doing the same because see, if, if you're not up to the challenge of standing up to complete lunatics that want to put face masks over your children, uh, if you, if you're not up for that fight, then probably, yeah, you shouldn't be leading a school. Um, this, the statistics bear out that the flu is much more dangerous to children than COVID. More, I mean, and, and I say that because more children die a year of the flu than they do of COVID. More children suffer lasting complications from the flu than they do of COVID. So statistically speaking, we've never done this before for a virus that is more deadly to children. Yes, you should be protecting the children. You should be fighting to keep their schooling normal, Mr. Samion. That is your job. That is what the parents want you to do. Yes, you do have some parents that will be extremely upset. Very mad! Because they're emotional. And they have been conditioned to be scared. So, I, I was talking to a professor, actually, this week. And uh, he, he is not... He didn't seem scared of the virus. And I was asking him, what is the point? What is the point of all these things we're doing? And he said, he said to me, uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm right here at, at, at this, this line right here. I, I can't cross it. I, th th those are things that I, I can't talk about. And um, he said, there are, there are students that are genuinely afraid. And yes, there are. But are we the kind of society that allows an irrational fear to control the entire society? That I don't think that that is a healthy society that allows irrational fear to direct all public conversation. And there are a lot of people that are getting sick of discussing COVID. <laughs> I know, because I'm sick of discussing COVID. But when these... Psychotic parents are just screaming that they want their children in masks and they want your children in masks. There's, there, somebody has to stand up and say, we, we shouldn't do that as a school. And that's what the school board is for. So, Mr. Samion, um, we thank you for your service and we hope that 
you know, there's a school board member that will get on that will get involved in Grand Haven. There are many parents that are standing up and realizing that they need to take more of a hand in their children's education. I've seen this um, at the Ottawa County School Board. Uh, I didn't see that personally. There was somebody there uh, watching that. She said that there was just a ton of people there. Um, I saw it personally at the Kent County School Board. There was a ton of people there. Um, probably over over a thousand, I think. Uh, maybe six to seven hundred. I think M Live reported over a thousand, so I think I could say that. Um, so hopefully, you know, a parent can step into this and they can they can fill this role and they can protect um, Ottawa County's children from having to breathe their own fumes. Um, it you know, and I shouldn't have to say that breathe, you know, you're, you're, when you exhale, you're exhaling toxins from your body. You shouldn't be breathing that in. Um, just for that reason alone, masks are ridiculous and shouldn't be used. Uh, there, there may be a case for when you're sick, you know, you might need a mask, you're coughing all over, you're symptomatic. You cannot control when you cough. It just comes out. Okay. But most people can control that. And if the masks are for spit, you know, I, I don't spit on people often. So, Again, I, I still haven't heard the justification for masks from any of the uh, the Grand Valley School Board either as well. Um, so he continues, across Grand River, Spring Lake Public School Board of Education, Vice President Kathy Breen says she feels like she's in an, the old movie, Young Frankenstein. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, that's, that is an old movie. Kind of funny, a little bit. Kind of weird a little bit as well. Um Let's see. Let's see if we can get it up here. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, if you want to watch the movie, it is on YouTube. You can watch the full thing. Uh, yeah, it's really long. I can't find the, uh, the pitchfork scene, but yeah. She continues, where villagers come after what they fear with pitchforks and burning torches, she said via email. I have never experienced such hostility that has been exhibited at a recent school board meetings and in the communication sent to us. Now, this, this, uh, this strikes me as interesting because it's not just that the villagers are coming after what they fear. That may be the perception from the school board uh, because they've been ignoring communication from parents for the last year. But I know that, like, I know personally parents in Michigan that have been emailing their school boards continuously, constantly, asking them to get rid of these mandates, ask, you know, sharing studies with them, sharing information with them about the very low risk to children. Um, one of them is, uh, what's her name? Julie Walter. Julie Walter is on uh, is very active in Stand Up Michigan. Um, I know she's personally been sending emails left and right, um, trying to get a hold of politicians, trying to get a hold of school board members, trying to get a hold of anybody she can. Uh, and I know she's got a group of parents that are working with her. So it's not like these 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 uh, school board members don't know that parents disagree with the masks. They put up with it for an entire year, right? Being told, oh, just wait a second. Just wait a couple more weeks, a couple more months, a couple more years. I mean, eventually, yeah, people are going to get upset. And I think the, I think there's a, a mixture of people that are upset 
and school board members that are not used to pushback and are just freaking out and you know they they're they're suffering emotional trauma from being told that they're wrong and so i think that's more what it is i i highly doubt that any of the the anti-mask people are actually threatening to kill anybody um and it's it actually uh it says right here in the article um Many board members across the county are resigning out of fear of threats. Um, fear of threats? So they're not getting actual threats? Bring the actual threats. Bring the actual harassment. Because every time I've seen it so far, it's been a hoax. It's been a another Jesse Smollett. That, you know, the, the, the uh, what was it? Ohio health director that just get, got fired. Um, sent a dog muzzle to herself with her own credit card <laughs> and then she said oh she's being persecuted for her for what she believes well you're persecuting yourself lady uh, and that's generally what it seems to be so I don't believe at all that these school board members are suffering from threats of death uh, most Americans have their head on, heads on straight enough that they might get frustrated in a school board meeting but they're not just going to send a death threat uh, so bring the death threat, bring the harassment. Let's actually see that. Um, I'm, I don't want to hear about, you know, school board members saying that they've been threatened. Um, I firmly believe that the greatest majority of our students, families, teachers, and staff reasonably understand that while none of us like masking, we support masking to keep our kids safe and in school face to face. My common sense directs me to continue to follow reputable sound science when considering decisions. Okay, so we get that line again. Reputable sound science that's been changing for the last, you know, two years. The executive decision to require masks among Ottawa County school children was made by Health Officer Lisa, Lisa Stefanowski. I've heard that name uh, quite a few times. It was a decision she had, she said she agonized over, consulting Ottawa County Department of public health staff and health officers across the state. Yes, I'm sure she agonized over it. We all understand COVID-19 mitigation strategies are unpopular, especially after feeling the weight of these restrictions over the past year and a half. Stefanovsky said in a statement during the county health department's last meeting, we sincerely hoped we would not need to issue this order. Yes, I'm sure you did. Uh, I know many oppose this order and we may never be able to reach a consensus on the issue, but I want you to know that I am not motivated by any conspiracy or any political platform. I am motivated solely and completely by protecting the health of our children. Well, Lisa, where were you the last bad flu season? Why weren't you spouting all this before? If it's not about politics, if it's really not, and I know that she knows the numbers. Where was she during the bad flus? Where was she? Masking the entire school system to just save that one life. All right, we're going to continue on because uh, I'm getting dangerously close to making fun of Lisa, uh, and I don't want to do that. I want to try and remain respectful to those that are over me. Um, and now you may, if you've been listening to me for a while, uh, I've I've been on now for uh, over a year and a half. Wow. Oh my goodness. I've been doing this for over a year and a half. I just thought about that and uh, that struck me. So uh, if you'll remember, I, I started this right before the pandemic started. And I said very early on 
that they're going to keep us in masks as long as they can. Uh, and I was right. So, uh, Washtenaw, Ingham counties issue mask orders for schools. This is from September 2nd. Uh, so, despite all of the... And I know that these, these towns also had many parents at the school board meetings. So, I know for a fact that these counties also have a lot of upset parents, but, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, to the school board, what the people want, because it's about the CDC. So, uh, I'm going to skip the opening. Uh, both departments also issued second orders saying schools and individuals in those settings must adhere to specific isolation and quarantine measures following the identification of close contacts, household exposures, or confirmed COVID-19 cases. So, again, if you get tested for COVID-19 and you're positive, your life is over, or at least for the next couple weeks. Uh, it, it will be made more challenging. Um, yeah, because, you know, we got to protect you. So, yeah, even if you're even if you're not, you know, symptomatic, we, we need to protect you right into the gulag. While isolation and quarantine are standard procedure for preventing additional spread of illness when cases have been identified. The Washtenaw order allows for enforcement if or when necessary. Um, so it's interesting. These. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep going. Violation of either order will be enforced under the terms of Michigan's public health code, including but not limited to misdemeanor enforcement and or civil monetary penalties. Washtenaw officials said in a statement. Uh, so the executive branch, again, I, I feel like I need to go over this every week because we do have a confusion as to what the branches are for. So the executive branch is supposed to execute laws. Um, the health department is a part of the executive branch. Now they were established by the legislature. They were funded and approved by the legislative branch, but they are the executive branch. We've got the executive branch, again, making orders for uh, for different students, uh, no, not different school systems, school districts. My goodness, the words just aren't coming today. Uh, so we've got the executive branch uh, deciding how your children are going to be educated and what they're going to wear across their face when they do it. Now, this is bad news, I guess, kind of, kind of bad. I mean, it is, it is the news, um, neither good nor bad, I guess. It's news I don't like, specifically, but um, there is actually good news. Um, if you're, you know, constitutionalist, uh, House Bill... So, Michigan Legislature, House Bill 4400. So, I wanted just to bring your attention to this because this was brought to my attention. So, I've mentioned legal efforts to uh, stop mask mandates and vaccine mandates. And hopefully, Senator Victory has gotten back a hold of me. Uh, hopefully, sometime next week, I will be interviewing him about what exactly is going on with these bills. And I'm going to ask him specifically 
All right, House Bill 4400 went through. All right, I'm going to show you something it went through with. And it's all the way down on page 40. And uh, this is another drum that you'll hear me consistently beating is that bills should be short and to the point, And uh, they should do a specific thing, one or the other. Um, I don't know why they're stating the goal of the bill in the bill. Again, so this, this is actually a, uh, a funding bill. So not necessarily legislation, but uh, Section 275J here. A public university receiving an appropriation in Section 236 shall not require a COVID-19 vaccination as a prerequisite for enrollment, moving into or residing in housing offered by the university, or attending in-person instruction. So that basically says there is not going to be uh, funding, state funding available for colleges that require this stuff, that require a vaccine. Now, that's as passed by the House. Um, as passed by the Senate, uh, not so much. So that clause is gone. It's not, it should be right around 250, 241. So yeah, it should be right around here. Let's see if the HTML, there's a 40, there's another 40 page long one that I saw from, um, Sorry, I should have uh, brought these up. These are the only two things that I didn't bring up before um, the show. So I think that's that's okay. I'm doing all right. Just got to now find the thing I'm looking for. Julie Walter sent it to me. Aha! Okay. Found it. So, substitute for. Um, is this the one? Yeah, this is the one. Okay. So, you'll notice... For my, for my audio-only listeners, I'm sorry if I am... I am showing things to on the video to on the video. I don't know. Um, ah. Section 275J, 280, 279, 276, 275J, 275J. 
Um, yeah, not the uh, not the same, not the same thing. So I'm going to be asking uh, Senator Roger Victory about this. Why did it change? Why are universities not going to be defunded for this uh, this violation? of our bodily autonomy uh, for requiring this medical procedure. So that is the good news. There's actually a few other bills, Senate bills, uh, 600 through 604, deal with public schools and masking. Um, House Bill 4427, I think, deals with employers mandating the vaccine. So um, there is a lot of legislation going through. We are we do have a group of people that are pressuring our lawmakers to get this stuff done um, because this is how we stop. I mean, this is how we stop people that want to take over um, and control our lives. So with that, that is the show for you today, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and thank you again, uh, Soap Made from Juice, for following me mid-show. Really appreciate that. He didn't leave a comment, so we are going to skip the comments for today. Um, but I did want to end today with, uh, this reporter, editor-in-chief and columnist at Michigan Advance. She has got some, some deep insights, uh, here, um, do-do-do. I saw one that was particularly uh, funny. Uh, oh my gosh, she posts so much. Okay, my almost 19... Okay, so this is your dumb tweet for the week. My almost 19-year-old daughter left for college this week. She has fewer rights as a woman than I did when I left the nest 23 years ago. Here's my Michigan Advance column on how we got here. So she has a whole... Uh, she has a whole column about how, uh, you know, not murdering babies is taking away a lot of her rights and oppressing her and all that stuff. You know, so I, I feel like um, I feel like you're imposing on me when you force me to wear a mask. She feels like uh, you're imposing on her when you make it illegal to murder babies. So uh, with that, we are done for the day, guys. Again, thank you so much. There's your dumb tweet for the week. And uh, try and keep the country together. For the whole next week i will see you then hopefully we will have an interview with senator roger victory to uh go through and dissect so that will be fun we'll see you then god bless guys